and trying to manage emotions and manage sometimes egos and pride. And so it is a, it's an art to be able to bring all adults together and get them to collaborate. But unfortunately, what often happens is we throw adults together and we're like, okay, you're adults, you can do this without any training, any guidance. And we know what happens. Uh, oftentimes collaborative teams, there's either a ton of conflict or there's just not a lot of productivity. This is the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking with Alyssa Crabtree about the art of aligning our collaboration efforts to our clarified goals and aspirations. Alyssa is the CEO and leader of Crabtree Coaching Collaborative that provides instructional leaders a system for strengthening collective instructional capacity and revolutionizing leadership through targeted learning experiences. Welcome to the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, Alyssa. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Bethany. I am pumped to be here today. (laughs) (laughs) I know you are. So guys, I have known Alyssa for quite a while. Actually, I would consider us really good friends. And let me tell you, she is the queen of collaboration. She really knows how to bring people together to work and amplify whatever goal that they have. So Alyssa, I'm so excited for you to tell us, you know, all about how do we get our teams to collaborate? How do we get the right people in the right room, having the right conversations to do the right work? So talk to us just kind of about your background, where you came from. I know you come from the education world. Tell me what you've learned. Okay. So man, let me tell you, Bethany. So first I I have been in education for 16 years. I primarily uh, taught middle school. So we know that that's a whole nother beast in itself. I call it a cesspool of emotions. Yes. (laughs) I loved it though. Oh my gosh. Loved my eighth graders always. And I had the fortunate opportunity to become an instructional coach. Um, And I've been an instructional coach for about seven years now, uh, either in the district or campus level. And, you know, I have discovered a lot about the art of working with adults, because let's be honest, dealing with junior high students is often a lot like dealing with adults and trying to manage emotions and manage sometimes egos and pride. And so it is a, it's an art to be able to bring all adults together and get them to collaborate. But unfortunately, what often happens is we throw adults together and we're like, okay, you're adults, you can do this without any training, any guidance. And we know what happens. Uh, oftentimes collaborative teams, there's either a ton of conflict or there's just not a lot of productivity. So I am extremely passionate about the art of collaboration because we know that collective teacher efficacy is the number one influencer of student success. Number one influencer. If we can come together, we're stronger together than we are apart, our students will thrive. Absolutely. So the reason I really wanted to have you on this podcast, number one, you just teach me all the time. Every conversation we have, I walk away with like nuggets of wisdom, but really the state of education, you know, everybody is a stakeholder in education. You are either the, you know, a product of the education system. You have a student in the education system, or you're working with and hiring people who are products of the education system. And it's in the politics, right? It's everywhere. 
So education is really important. So I'm really going to deem this the education episode. So I really want you to take us, all of the listeners out there, take us into the education system. We see uh, just by watching the local news, you know, we see a lot about test scores. We see a lot about school safety. And we see a lot about teachers that are doing their little TikTok dances, leaving midday. (laughs) And so, but that's the stuff that we see. We want to know what's really going on in the education system. and it really does reflect the work system because like you said, big people, adults are really the same as, as kids. Like we, we all fight with ego. We fight with status. We struggle when, why we're coming together is not clear. We, you know, whenever we don't have clear directions. So I really want you to take us into the state of education and just say, what is the goal of education and how can we bring teachers and in a bigger part, how can we bring our team together to collaborate? You know, one, my heart breaks right now for the current state of education, but it didn't just happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And we know that the way the structures that are put, the way that politics are involved with it, it has created this sense of overwhelm. I don't even want to say a sense. It is a reality of overwhelm because there are so many state mandates, local mandates, that are coming through the pipeline and just crashing on top of campus educators. And what's happening is no one can keep up. Um, I often call people who are not in education civilians because I'm like, you know, no one really understands what happens within the school system unless you're in it or your partner is in education. And so we have people, we have educators that cannot do the job of just teaching children. There are mounds and mounds of paperwork. There are mounds and mounds of protocols and meetings and trainings and uh, dealing with student emotions and active shooter drills. And I mean, all of these things that no one really takes into account And it's really funny, not too long ago, one of my best friends just had a slumber party at her house with her daughter's 11th birthday. And she was like, never again. There were like five 11 year olds. And she was like, oh my gosh. And just in my head, I kept thinking, imagine having 35 of them Mm -hmm. in your room and you're responsible to teach them and give them all one year's worth of growth. One person cannot do that alone. So With all of these mandates that are a lot are political, which is extremely unfortunate, that are coming down, we can't do it alone. Yeah. But we need stronger communication. So what I mean by that is the state, TEA, the State Board of Education, we're getting all these mandates that are going to district. They're disseminating it to the campus, but no one's talking to one another. No one is saying, oh, we're making the teachers do this, but we're also making the teachers do this. We're having the teachers do this. Oh, we also need them to do this. And you might assume that your 30 minute thing that you're asking teachers to, oh, it's just 30 minutes once a week. That's fine. But guess what? 10 other departments are asking them to do either something that's the same or completely different. And it takes hours and hours. It's always compounded. And and I want to pause there for a second, because that really is the state of education from my experience as well. But I also want to 
kind of generalize that everybody listening, it doesn't really matter what industry you're in. How many times do mandates come from above and it's not clearly communicated down the pipelines. And then you have the individual contributor that's like, wait, what am I supposed to be doing? Or I've got three people asking me for pretty much the same thing, but they all wanted a little bit different. So I'm having to do it three or four times. The lack of communication and the lack of collaboration at every single level of that really works against the whole system in and of itself. And so leaders listening, if you have any role in that pipeline, I want you to first, you know, what she was saying, work on clarity of communication, and then we'll we'll touch base more on this later, but collaboration, how to get people to work together, especially when you're communicating those mandates, because nickel and diming, I call that nickel and diming. I can't stand it. The nickel yeah. and diming all the time, before you know it, you're, you're leaving a massive hole and it's eating away at the resources of what the organization was meant to do anyway, right? Yeah. So the school system is meant really to teach the kids how to read, write, how to understand, how to critically think so that one, they have a skill set to go earn a job or have a job where they can earn a decent living, but also so they're not taken advantage of. So they are informed citizens so that we can make society better. I just said what education is about in like two sentences, but you know what we do? We have millions of mandates and learning standards. (laughs) (laughs) that really expand all that. And it's really hard to get back to the core of what we're trying to do. So talk to us about the communication and collaboration piece. How do you, when you step into a team, I mean, how do you advise instructional leaders to have better communication and to bring people together to collaborate? You know, the number one thing that I always, always, always advise instructional leaders to do is not to skip the humanity part, Mm -hmm. the human component, because usually when the school begins for educators, they usually come to the campus two weeks before school starts. And there's tons of trainings and it's kind of like, oh, we got to go. We got to go. We got all these things. However, no one is really taking the time to dive into each other's strengths, each other's values, and even just kind of like what makes us tick. I cannot tell you how many times I thought someone was mad at me because they were scowling at me while I was giving a presentation. And then like a month later, they just tell me, oh, I hope you don't mind me making this face. That's my thinking face. You know, it's just little things like that. But for the longest time, I was like, oh, no, you know, and I lost a moment to have a relationship with this person. And so I always advise people take time to establish care for yourself and your team. Mm -hmm. Because we know, and right now with everything going on, morale is very low on campuses. Yeah. Very low. I had a dinner with a friend just the other day. And she said, when she went to a job fair for teachers, all of the administrators that she met with said, I'm surprised you came. I didn't think anyone would come. Wow. That's not yes. a good pitch. <laughs> it's not. But so many people are seeing this. And if morale is low and we're still responsible for educating our future and the youth and children, like I just keep thinking of my own children, my own daughter in classrooms, I hope that my teacher is able to take care of him or herself yeah. and their team. 
because we're stronger together. If we are going against one another and we don't take the time to understand each other's values, it, it will bust and we won't have that care that we need. And then I go straight into evaluating where you are as a team. What are your greatest needs? And let's set goals. Mm-hmm. Because if we are all working in the same direction, life is so much better. Yes. Life is so much better. You know, that makes me think of um, like rowing whenever you're in a canoe. Have you ever been canoeing? I got to tell a quick story. So I'm from Arkansas. We love the outdoors. So my husband and I would canoe or kayak family events outdoors, but we would always fight each other. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you fight each other, whenever you're trying to, you know, go in the same direction, it doesn't work. You end up spinning in circles or tipping over. You get out of balance. And how much of everything you're just saying really applies to the physical nature of being in that boat or that canoe, everybody's got to know their place. So you're balanced out with strengths and weaknesses in rowing the same direction. It's so important. I just, I love them. I can't tell you how many times I have visited a campus and this department has this walkthrough form. This department has this walkthrough form. And then the whole campus has this walkthrough form. And I'm like, whoa, they're all looking for different things. They're all giving feedback in different directions. A lot of times there's no autonomy. And I'm just like, what is happening? No wonder everyone is is in an uproar. Mm -hmm. We need to, and I I know you and I have had this conversation before where Stephen Covey makes a statement, like make the main thing, the main thing. Absolutely. We all just need to focus on one area. And that way, when these other things are coming in at us that we cannot control, well, then we're able to handle it a little, a little better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think a lot of people take that shotgun approach. Uh, For those of you not born and raised in the country or don't know anything about those types of guns, you know, the shotgun has a bunch of little pellets that's kind of spread out, but then you have the the rifle, which is very laser-like focus. And so often we're just kind of throwing things against the wall to see if they stick. And, you know, hopefully we'll get better whenever, if you would have picked one goal and truly concentrated on that one goal, you would have made more progress than trying a little bit of everything. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. and I'm doing a lot of, right now. I'm doing an adult learner series <clears throat> with one of the school districts that I get to work with. And the first course that I launched with them was about adult motivation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're when we're looking at factors of what motivates adults and honestly, even kids, we are looking at clarity. Mm-hmm. Clarity, Brene Brown, clarity is kind. Yeah. And so having that very specific goal clearly communicated, but the other component of adult motivation is autonomy. Mm-hmm. So when, and this is another thing that actually increases morale, is when everyone is able to come together and collaborate and share their voice, but then that voice is heard. My concern is heard. And guess what? Because of that, we now are all working as a collective to solve that pain point that we're having. And if we're going to solve a pain point that's going to make my life easier, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be motivated to do it. However, we have to come together, have choice, and Mm -hmm. just one thing. I I sometimes think that um, campus improvement plans are problematic because there's so many. There's so many areas to improve, 
I'm like, what, what about one? Let, let's start with one and then we can go to the next one, but let's start with one. Yes, absolutely. So I really, everything that you were saying, this is what it made me think of. Uh, being an administrator, walking in classrooms and having been an instructional coach, right? You are really trained with that eye of how to look for engagement of the people in the room. And so I want you to kind of make this a little broad for people in different industries, but whenever you're in meetings, whenever you're leading a team, whenever you're leading an organization, engagement really is the first step to collaboration. You got to get people involved having the conversation before they're able to truly work together. And so I want you to give us some teacher moves because here's the deal. Leaders, you better be the lead learner and you got to have the heart of a teacher, right? Because it's about influencing and bringing people along with you. And so, so much of that is really the teacher's heart, the teacher moves. And so I want you to give us some of the best strategies you can of how do teachers and how can leaders, whenever they're in a room with people, bring people along, get them engaged. You know, let's just start whenever you're talking about having people's voice be heard and shared. Let's start there because how many meetings do people set in where nobody says anything and they just shake their heads? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They have that group think. So start there and then give us all of your wisdom on teacher moves for how to engage people so we can be collaborative. You know, there's a couple of things. One, you know, I can talk about like voice inflection and, you know, the, the activities that you have them engage in. But my number one thing, and I've noticed this, obviously being in the classroom first with students, then going on to adults, you have to make the work relevant. Mm. So you have to start with the problem. So if I'm going in and I'm doing a professional development opportunity for a, a staff, they need to know what problem I'm going to solve. Otherwise, they don't want it a piece of me. Um, you can That's definitely true. tell when someone's like forced to go or when they're like, oh, she she's going to help us out here. Mm-hmm. So when you make it relevant to their life, either outside the four walls or some way that it is going to solve a problem that they have, they are invested. Same thing with students. I cannot tell you, you know, as a, I was an ELA teacher or RLA now is what they call it. When I was in the classroom, if I had a text that my students just did not connect with, like, because I grew up on a farm too, but I taught in the suburbs yes. and I would start like maybe a piece about a, you know, a farm and they're just like, oh, miss, no, <laughs> you know, but it needs to be something relatable. Uh, Dr. Goldie Muhammad has written two wonderful books, uh, Cultivating Genius and Unearthing Joy, and it's all about relevance. And so when we want to increase engagement with adult learners, still relevance, how are you going to help them? How are you going to make their life easier, not add more to the plate? Um, Another thing that I have definitely noticed with increasing engagement is less is more. Oh, preach. I wish I could like snap and like repeat that. Repeat that phrase. Less is more. I had a coordinator for years and she was the queen of less is more. And I absolutely love her and appreciate her for that because as the expert on the, of the topic that we are presenting, we get so excited. We want to share all the things, but adults Students need time to process. Mm -hmm. And I I tell teachers this all the time, and I tell instructional coaches and administrators this all the time. 
just because you cover it does not mean that people learned it. Absolutely. So we need to give any participant, whether child or adult, time to manipulate, digest, talk about, write about, so that they can truly internalize it. And I think those are just two big key takeaways. If you are working with adult learners, make sure that the work is relevant. You make it relevant. They can see themselves in the work mm-hmm. and you give them time to digest and, and work with it. Rehearse it. Absolutely. This is so good. You know, and I think about, think about any av- average office, right? How you've got to, whenever you bring people together to talk about the next project, the next thing, you've got to make it relevant for them so that they are motivated and engaged and involved in that. And then less is more. Oh, that's just so important. You know, you can't do everything. And we get so overwhelmed when we think of all the little pieces that we forget what the main thing is. And I think that's such a huge problem in every work environment, not just education. So thank you so much for sharing those nuggets of wisdom. Y'all, I told you she was smart. (laughs) She shares something all the time. Love you, man. (laughs) But I do, I want to add something to that because I was sitting there, you know, as you were talking and I want to also take it to a connection with collaboration, because even in large PDs, or you might have those veteran teachers or even just experts already in that, you have different learners at different stages of their journey in the room with you. But here's where collaboration becomes so powerful. When you go into a professional learning opportunity and you're like, I already know this. My challenge to you is to flip it and think collaboration. So I might already know it, but I'm going to glean insight on how I I have this baby teacher with me right here. So instead of being the know-it-all and I already know this, I'm going to work with that presenter on how to lift the level of capacity of the teacher sitting next to me. And that is the power of collaboration. That's where we should be at. And it's collective. I I want to, I want you to say that again, lift the level of capacity, capacity for the person next to you that aligns perfectly to one of the laws of uh, John Maxwell, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, that leadership is the lid to the team or the organization in which that person is leading. And so it is your job to raise your lid of learning. So number one, leaders out there, you must always be learning. And so never sit in a presentation in a meeting and say, this doesn't involve me or I can't get anything out of this. You know, it, and, and exactly what Alyssa just said, you know, if anything, if you're like, okay, I know this for myself, then true leadership is it doesn't, it's not about me anyway. It's about the, the people that I lead or can mentor. How can I increase their lid as well? Mm-hmm. So that just and beautiful. I asked an administrator not too long ago, and this was actually an academic dean on a campus um, that I have the opportunity to work with. And I, my question was, if you won the lottery tomorrow and you're like deuces out, like I'm going to yeah. live my best life, would you trust the other administrators to do your job fully and to carry on with the work? Oh, wow. And such a good question. The answer was no, but I was like, and that's okay. Usually the answer is no. The goal though, is to get it to be yes. As leaders, whether you're a team leader, an instruction, an instructional coach, an administrator, a superintendent, 
business and any kind of other profession, the goal is to lift the capacity of those around you so that there is full efficacy as a collective and we trust in one another. Oh, that's so good. Speaking of going back to the main point that we had where mm-hmm. people are just always people, whether you're in junior high or whether you're in <laughs> yeah. that status is always at play, right? Think oh, about yes. junior high, how you have those little mean girls or whatever. <laughs> it's about status. I need to make you feel worse about yourself. So I feel better about myself in work. I think sometimes we're not collaborative because we are still fighting for status. We, we want to feel like we have more status or more power or people respect our opinion more than others. And so that kind of keeps us at bay of working well with others. Whenever leadership is really about serving others. And like you said, building their capacity. And so it should be very giving. It's not about you. And this even reminds me of a passage in the Bible where it's like, don't take the most prominent seat, take the lowest seat. And then because of the way that you are loving and serving, guess what? You're going to be asked to move up. You know, it's that humble, humble leadership. Um, So I just love that. And you're so spot on. We've got to do a better job of lifting the capacity of others. And collaboration is the way to do that. And it's so helpful. Let's delegate more. I know that I work at such a level... (laughs) (laughs) that it's okay to allow myself to delegate and then collaborate with other people. Because I just, you know, in education specifically, I just always picture my niece or my daughter. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to never, ever, ever want to pick and choose their teachers. Yeah. Never. And so as a campus leader, looking at your campus the, the idea should just be every kid is so blessed and so lucky and so fortunate to be in any of these teachers' classrooms. There will be an equitable, amazing, uh, rigorous education had by every student mm-hmm. because everyone is functioning at a high level of productivity and expertise and engagement with their, with their students. Absolutely. And, you know, think about instructional leaders, we call them instructional leaders, but y'all we're, we're mainly talking about people in leadership positions in education. So your principals, your system principals and things like that. And they deal with not only a lot of duty of watching kids, right? So you're constantly supervising kids and heaven forbid a fight break out. Now you're in the middle of that scuffle and then heaven forbid, you know, a fight between adults at a ball game happens. Yeah. Been there, done that kicked a few people out of some places you're dealing with so many different stakeholders, so much stimuli. That's not just reading, writing, arithmetic, like the old problematic. It's It's bad. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I think that really aligns to the workplace for everyone nowadays. You know, you don't just go to work and just do your thing, do the one task. Those kind of uh, working days are over. It is very much team driven, work together on a project, communicate with a lot of different stakeholders, and your tasks are way more broad than they used to be. Long gone is the industrial age of really kind of working in a factory and doing the one thing. We're doing multiple things. And so what is your kind of advice for leaders? And and you can even use the instructional leaders as an example to rallying their group who are in a state of overwhelm and stress right now. Like it's kind of where everybody is in their workplaces you know, we're in a state of stress and overwhelm. So it goes back to investing the time and truly understanding each other's strengths and areas for growth. 
because and why I say that is, you know, we're stronger together than we are apart and we're not all great at everything. We all have our lanes. And if you give me this task that I am not equipped to do, or I'm not that great at one, my mental state is probably going to be overwhelmed, frustrated, or just extremely insecure. But if my team leader understands my strengths and the strengths of those around me, then delegation is so much more powerful, which reduces stress and anxiety, because now I am set up for success with the task at hand to contribute to my team. Another thing that is crucial is the power of habits. So understanding the habits that collaborative teams have, and, and what I mean by that, not too long ago, I was working with a facilitator of collaborative teams. And one thing that we noticed is 10 to 15 minutes every day was dedicated to venting. And it was not solutions focused. I'm not saying that venting is not healthy every every now and then to like yeah. voice concerns, but it just really became come, becomes complaining sessions. And I'm going to tell you, not only is it a time suck, it is a motivation suck. It is a, mm-hmm. it just drains your morale. And with morale already kind of low, let's don't add to it. It's like putting so, on beer goggles. All you see is like skewed. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And it's everything it, looks terrible. Yes. And it's so disheartening and that's damaging to the culture of a campus. So what we had to do is sit back and truly understand what's the cue, like what's prompting them to be so negative first thing. And what we realized is on the top of their agenda, the first thing that stated was tell us something good very well-intentioned statement. We would hope that it's positive and exciting, but as the year has progressed, it's now become, well, nothing's good. We got 30 days left of school. Everything's this. It really, it it prompted them to get angry. And I was like, you know what? As well-intentioned as the statement is, we need to change the prompt. So what we ended up doing was creating a couple of prompts that did not ask for them to voice their concerns. And it really was um, like, there were some writing reflections. What are your, uh, what's your to-do list? What is the most important thing for you to get done today? And then they would write that. We even had name two students who deserve a positive email home. That actually became, at at first they were like, Okay, hold on. But then they were able to come with it. Actually, then they came up with more than two. They became excited. And what after doing this for a couple of weeks, we noticed that it only took them five minutes and it stayed positive. There you go. And that right there with collaborative teams, you need to look at habits that create toxicity and flip them. Absolutely. And that reminds me of Jim Collins, Good to Great book, where he talks about the flywheel you know, a flywheel is this massive wheel in the middle of this, you know, warehouse thing. And it takes so much energy to get the first push and the second push and the mm-hmm. third push. But before you know it, all that positive habitual behaviors of consistency create such momentum that the flywheel just keeps going and going and going and it creates its own momentum. I and love that visual. Like, I love that. It's so good. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Whenever we're collaborating and how we bring people together, oftentimes when you bring a group together, 
Uh, think about what you do whenever you're hanging out with your friends and you may be grilling or having a drink or watching a game. A lot of times the conversation can turn negative. And so whenever you're bringing your collaborative teams together, focus on the positive habits that you can instill that's going to turn that flywheel and build some positive momentum to get them working. So, oh, that was so good. All right, um, Alyssa, you do so much for education. So I want to take your advice and I want you to tell us what are some other key takeaways that our listeners can say, you know what, I need to start applying this in my leadership. So what are your key takeaways? Take time to invest in the humanity of the collaboration of the team so that everyone is aware of teammates' values and strengths and areas for growth. That is key because that's where we're going to start the fostering of a healthy collaboration. Even if y'all are like all best friends, we still need to understand those things because guess what? They change. Mm -hmm. Yearly, they change. The second thing is really focusing on one goal, make the main thing, the main thing. Um, But in doing that, don't establish that goal by yourself. Other stakeholders must be included, whether they're inside the organization or even sometimes outside of the organization. Sometimes that's extremely beneficial. Um, Having the main thing, the main thing, and then identifying habits that collaborate collaborative teams might have that create toxicity and a negative culture and flip them around. Those are three things that I just feel like when it comes to collaboration and strengthening educator efficacy, it is needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I ask all of my guests this question, what is one poor decision that you would warn our leaders to avoid? You know, it's just, it kind of goes, what I was thinking is, what I said is just bypassing getting to know your team, thinking that you're too busy to do it. And I even would love, and don't get me wrong, I know there are 20 million competing priorities, but administrators meet one-on-one with your teachers that you appraise or just that are on your campus one-on-one with every single staff member, get to know them individually, because guess what? When you do that, you make me feel important. Yeah. That's huge. I have heard educators say, my principal don't even know my name, (laughs) you know? And so, (laughs) yes, that is a poor decision to bypass the relationship piece. And if you're not into relationships and you think they're bogus, you might need to reconsider your profession if you are a leader. So that's, that's the poor decision. That's such good advice. That really ties back to a theme that I've said over and over on this podcast. Managers are about tasks. They are task focused, but leaders are about people. They are people focused. So we are leadership on the rocks here. So leaders out there focus on your people. That's great advice. Thank you. And well, I can't thank you enough for being here. You have given us so much wisdom. Uh, Thank you for giving us a little window into the school systems as well. But really, the school system, you know, is an organization that really kind of mirrors probably what we're going through, uh, no matter the industry we're working in. So thank you so much for your advice today. I really appreciate having you. 
Thank you for having me. I it is always a pleasure to talk speak with you, <laughs> Bethany. Always. Absolutely. I can't wait till the next time we have those margaritas and talk some yes. more. <laughs> all right, guys. Remember to check the show notes for uh all of the helpful tips that Alyssa gave today. And she has so many freebies that you can go check out. Until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Forget not to entertain strangers, for by doing so, many have entertained angels unaware.